Welcome to the Dr. Wayne Dyer Radio Podcast. Discover the wisdom and remarkable insights of Dr. Dyer, world-renowned spiritual teacher and foremost authority on how the power of your mind creates your world. And Dr. Dyer, before we get to calls, though, I just wanted to share a, a quick email from one of our listeners that I just thought okay. was, was really great. And I know, uh, you know, you don't do the email thing a lot, so... <laughs> right. if I guess if I get a good letter, I do like to share it. So this is from Mary, and this was after the show we did. It's called Curriculum of Your Life Show. I think it was the week before you went to Toronto. And there was mm-hmm. a woman that was talking about her, her chronic health, and she opens up, Hi, Diane. I hope you always stay on Dr. Wayne Dyer's show. Tell him never to, can you? No, she didn't say that. I threw that You're in. fired. Okay, this <laughs> is your last show. Go on. <laughs> uh, but she goes on to say she loves the show and, and listens to you every week. And she was listening to the show, Curriculum of Your Life, and there was a woman talking about her chronic health problems. And your question was, what if we didn't have the ability to think the thought, I am sick, how would we then feel? And this question made her think about her son. He was born very premature 25 years ago, and he has some physical and mental challenges. Although he has limited ability to communicate verbally, he can get his basic wants and needs across. And she says she's always marveled at the fact that when he would have anything from the flu to surgeries, he would just happily rest and sleep until he felt better and always recovered quicker than a typical person would. And there was never a complaint. Doctors are not yet sure, she says, what is specifically wrong with him, but he always responds to just rest and he enjoys music. And that's kind of how he heals himself and never has the thought, I am sick. He never acknowledges it or really accepts it. He just kind of goes along and and then seems to kind of bring himself back into good health. And she says, I realized Dr. Dyer helped me with that one question to see the way my son handles himself as a beautiful example of the gracefulness of a pure soul instead of the sad feeling that he doesn't understand what's going on. He absolutely does understand and so does Dr. Dyer. So she just wanted to say thank you for your contributions to Hay House and for having her think the thought that he is well. Mm. So I just thought, I just thought that was sweet. That's, very, uh, that's a wonderful letter. I, uh, and, the, and the concept is really – it's basically the concept behind a book I did uh, a couple of years ago called The Excuses Be Gone. Yes. Which is uh, – what I have a paradigm in there. And one of the questions in the paradigm is, you know, what if you couldn't think um, – the thoughts that you have that uh, that tell you that you can't do this or this is impossible or that uh, you have to be poor or that you can't get that job or that you're infirm or that you're weak or that you're sick and so on. What if you just couldn't think that thought? Um, and it's it's it's, it's interesting. I, you know, I've talked before about this. Um, you know, the cleanse that I, that I was on, and I just did another three days with my daughter Summer, who's here. Yes, the master um, cleanse. Yeah, the master class. I just went back on it for three days, just just to sort of support her with it. Um, she's uh, she had taken up smoking at one time, and she's uh, getting rid of all of that and really getting herself very very healthy. Um, and I just and I was noticing um, whenever I wherever I go for a walk or anything, um, you know, I see people. Uh, uh, walking by a restaurant, and they take a great big cheeseburger with bacon on it or something. They go to take a bite of it, and this isn't something that I've I've, I've put in my body probably in 20 years. Um, but as uh, you know, when 
when you're going through a cleansing process, uh, the, the whole process becomes mental. And what it makes me realize is that virtually everything in our life is mental. What kinds of thoughts do we think? And I'm watching people put this great big greasy thing into their mouth and taking a bite of it and, uh, and drinking a great big soda and, you know, they're 50, 60, 70 pounds overweight and so on. And I'm thinking, oh, man, that looks so good. And I'm thinking, what, what a kind of a mental thing is that? And I begin to realize that it's like we become what we think about. And, uh, you know, most of the <clears throat> difficulties that we have, I think about people who out there who are overweight. And, uh, <clears throat> and I think, what, what if you couldn't look in a mirror? And what if you couldn't step on a scale? And what if you couldn't think the thought? You know, that, um, <clears throat> that I'm overweight, that I'm fat, that I'm unattractive, that I'm lazy, that whatever it is, all the things that are associated with that. And so I think what she was saying there is, is you know, is very, very relevant. Is like, begin to look at uh, uh, and say to yourself, well, what if I couldn't think these thoughts, that I can't make things happen, that I can't manifest things? And the only thought that you could think of was, um, with God, all things are possible, and I am connected to God. I am a piece of God. What if that was the only thing that you could think? And um, and then begin to challenge yourself and just say, okay, then I'm going to not give myself uh, permission or uh, the right to um, to think thoughts that don't work for me. You know, like uh, like she was talking about her son. You know, it's like, uh, what if he just absolutely could only think, you know, I am well, I am content, I am happy, and and that's why you know so many people when they go to uh, when they go to the hospitals, they go to doctors and so on, and they have all of these uh, tests that are run, and then they run, look at all of the numbers, and they look at all of the things, and, and they start to, th to think about all of the things that are going to go wrong with their body. And I tell them, what if you couldn't think those thoughts? What if you could only think that I'm, I'm healthy, I'm content, I am peaceful, I am strong, I am God, I am, with, you know, I am connected to God, all things are possible. And that, that was you had been conditioned to, to only think that way from the time that you were just a child. Um, you know, your whole physical world would change. Right. And that so really so leads me into a, a little bit about what all of the controversy and all of the discussion about the Supreme Court decision of um, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, uh, Roberts, John Roberts, uh, siding with, quote, the liberal wing of the Supreme Court and, uh, and upholding the... Uh, the uh, individual mandate and the uh, health care, you know, health care law that uh, there's been so much fighting over and, uh, and so on. And I, I think about, um, you know, what is it? What is all of this controversy about? What is everybody all upset about? What is it that government's going to come in and do this and do that? Um, you know, I'm 72 years old, so I've been on a program uh, that is uh, called Medicare uh, for seven years now. And I go to I go to whatever doctor I want to go to if I want to go. Um, I uh, I don't nobody comes in and tells me anything that I can do or that I can't do. It's a, a very simple system, and it's something that we put into place that every civilized country in the world has for every single one of their citizens. Well, we finally have it just for people you know over the age of 65 or so on, and also for people who are uh, you know incapacitated and. And, and it's, it's never been a problem, and everybody supports it. And, and all of the people in the, in, the, in the Republican Party who are opposed to this health care, you know, certainly don't want to get rid of Medicare and so on. Um, and then I think about all of these, all of the people up there arguing, and we're going to repeal this, and we're going to repeal I hear the, the Speaker of the House, John Boehner, is up there saying, we have to throw this whole law out, and it's socialized medicine. And Meantime, he has voted for himself a, uh, a wonderful package of government subsidized and taken care of uh, health care for himself. And every single person in that Congress is, uh, 
has uh, a form of what they call, quote, socialized medicine, which somehow there's something terribly wrong with that word. And um, all of these people um, who are voting on whether or not the rest of the country uh, is, can just be free from the worry. And, and there's what, what the, the thing that concerns me the most about this, Diane, is the, is the element of cruelty that is, um, that, that is inherent in this argument that we have to, uh, you, know, to, you know, let's toss this all out and let's all start over again, which really means let's get rid of it, let's never have it again. Um, and let's just say, oh, we got a wonderful health care system in this country, except for the 50 or 60 million people who don't have health care, who when they find out that they have a brain tumor or when they have an accident or when they get some kind of serious debilitating disease where they, uh, you know, they need you know, continuous coverage, they don't have insurance, they can't get insurance, the, the hospitals won't take them, and they just basically die uh, uh, and live in, in this you know, system where they're just so worried and so filled with fear. And we, there's just, there just seems to me like an absence of compassion. And I was so impressed with uh, the Supreme Court justice, with, uh, with Justice Roberts um, coming along and saying, this is a signature thing that has happened in this, uh, whether they, you know, under President Obama. I think it's, it, it's, uh, it has the same kind of uh, magnitude as uh, when when the Social Security became uh, something, when uh, the Voting Rights Act, the Civil Rights Act, the, um, you know, the Medicare Act, all of these things that um, are just something that is accepted as if you're born in the United States of America, one of the greatest countries in the world, supposedly, you should at least be able to live, every citizen ought to be able to live free from the worry that they, um, you know, that they can't get the kind of medical attention that they want. And this is the direction that we're moving. And I was watching on Bill Maher show uh, on Friday night, uh, there was a woman on there who was saying, this is, this is only really the very beginning, that we are in an, un an untenable situation. We're in a, in a place where health care costs are just going through the roof. They were using the example of uh, somebody on the panel had gone into a hospital and um, they got their bill, and they got a bill for, you know, those little packets of Kleenex that they give you when you're in the hospital? Right, like $20 uh, a piece for $28. <laughs> $28 they were billed for a little packet of Kleenex. And uh, Bill Maher was saying, where does this go? You can go over to any drugstore and get that for 49 cents. Where does the $27.50 go? It's the, the whole thing is just so out of control that bringing it back and having the same thing that we're offering for all of our citizens in this country, which is health care for everybody over the age of 65, uh, why not offer it for everybody? Why not just figure out a way, whatever it takes to make this happen, let's just get together and do it. And when the congressmen get together and say, we can't do this, when the Republicans particularly say, you know, uh, we're going to throw this thing all out, then say then if you don't, if you're so opposed to socialized medicine, then stop taking it yourself. You know, you voted for it for yourself. You gave yourself the best medical care that you could, uh, that anyone could ever have, and you voted for it for life, for you, for your family. Um, even if you just serve two years in Congress, you get lifetime medical insurance and everything taken care of, paid for in this, quote, socialized uh, means, um, uh, you know, by the government. Um, so right. anyway. why shouldn't the rest of us be offered yeah. the, the same ability to do that? And I've been without insurance before in various jobs and, and had to try mm. to pray nothing happened. And it really is a it's a horrible feeling, you know, when you have to go to the drugstore and, and you have to pay the full price for your prescriptions. You right. know, you, you, you can't mm. get any break. 
And, or something uh, happens yeah. to you like my friend Terry Gordon, who's got a book coming out with Hay House uh, this, uh, this is July, now this month, uh, called No Storm Lasts Forever. Uh, he's a cardiologist, a brilliant man, one of, one of a very good friend of mine. It's a wonderful book. I really recommend it. When, when the book comes out, I want to put Terry on the show. Um, but um, his son was, um, you know, just got into an, a, a terrible automobile accident and was rendered a quadriplegic, and he's going to need medical care for the rest of his life. Um, what do we do with people like this? Do we just say, you know, we'll just uh, let them die or just, you know, we're not going to give them uh, the, the care that they need? Um, the, the ability to offer insurance and, and, and a worry-free life when it comes to medical uh, expenses and so on is something that ought to just come with, um, with being a citizen of, of the country, however, it, whatever it takes to make it all happen. And we've, I, I just think that they've done such a masterful job of convincing a whole lot of people that there's something terrible going on here and that the government's going to come in and that there's going to be death panels and all of this stuff like the Sarah Palins and so on. Uh, all of that, you know, we ought to just dismiss all of that and say, look, let's offer complete medical care to everyone in our country and get these medical costs down. And, uh, and, and when the, gov and the, and the, the people in Washington are the ones who are going to have to make this happen, and if they say, we don't know how to do it, we can't afford it, we say, well, then you manage to figure out a way to do it for yourselves. Now go into another room and don't come out until you figure out a way to manage it for everyone else. By the way, for the people who are paying for your insurance. Exactly. They need to send you up there. Dr. Dyer oh. goes to Washington. <laughs> If I went to Washington, <laughs> I would just say great. to all of them, all right, this is the room. You're all going in there, and you're going, you figure it out. How, whatever it is that you did in there to figure out how to give yourselves complete medical care for life and your families, you co don't come out of that room until you figured out how to make this happen for everybody else, particularly because those are the people who are paying the bills for the health insurance that you've given yourself. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. Mm. Very so, interesting. Anyway. It was definitely uh, the topic all weekend. Uh, I was at a party. Everybody was talking about it. So people are, are very passionately discussing this whole thing. Brings up mm. a lot of feelings and, and, and a lot of people. There's, just, there's so many, uh, there's so much mythology around all of this. There's, there's so many rumors about it and all of that. And uh, basically it just gets down to a, a, a political gambit. That's what it really is. Um, one party doesn't want the other party to be in power, so they're doing everything that they can. And nobody could, you know, people, as I say, they've come to, I've heard it, they, I've heard it said over and over again that uh, the main focus of the Republican Party now in Washington is to make sure that the president does not get reelected. That ought not to be the main focus of the, of the people who have been elected to Congress. The main focus ought to be how can we govern and provide the services for our people, not how can we just stop somebody from becoming president. It's a, you know, it's they very said frustrating. That they, just, they just cited the, um, the, the uh, U.S. Attorney General Holder for a contempt of Congress over this gun thing down in Mexico. And I said, I think the whole country is in contempt of Congress. I'm certainly one of them, that is. <laughs> that's my, that's, that's true. my rant for today. <laughs> Dr. Dyer's soapbox. <laughs> right. Very good. Well, we've got uh, some time to grab calls here. Let's go to uh, Gina in Dalton, Georgia on line one. And Gina, Hello. thanks for holding. You're on with Dr. Dyer. Hello. Hi, Gina. Hi, Dr. Dyer. It's such an honor to speak with you. Thank, thank you so much for taking my call. Oh, you're very welcome. Nice to hear from you. Uh, yeah, um, my quick. Well, let me. I have to give you just a little bit of backstory to understand my question more. Um, 
about three years ago, I started going through a bit of a, you know, awakening. Or I started to go through my an awakening. I've had mm-hmm. many uh, life-altering experiences from childhood on up into my 30s. I'm 39 now. And um, I started to assimilate all those problems that I have, and I don't have the victim mentality as much anymore. And I've been able to make use of, you know, find the good in all those situations. And um, over the past year, I've been feeling really led to uh, be of service to others because, you know, for many years, Friends and close family uh, have been coming to me kind of with their problems anyway. And for the longest time, I had the kind of thought, you know, I have all these problems. Why is that to me? But I guess because it didn't completely take me down. You know, I still had a lot of the the victim feelings, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, to, but to get quicker to my question, um, my husband and I, we've been together for almost 10 years. And... Um, he, you know, has had a lot of situations in his past, too, that has created kind of, you know, the victimization in him, too. So we, in the beginning, we identified with each other on that level. Well, I'm not so much identifying with him in that way anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of put a, you know, a, a lot of space between us since I've been going through all these changes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm kind of kind of wondering what might happen with us in the future. Uh, I'm just, you know, kind of, we've just been growing further and further apart. And I don't see uh, where my, where my, where I'm wanting my life to go to be any different. And I'm not sure, you know, he's ready for me to keep having that change, if that makes any sense. I'm sorry, I'm a little nervous. No, that's okay, Gina. Um, Let me ask you this question. Are you in love with your husband? I am. I do. I love him very much. Mm-hmm. I love him very much. And what does but, that mean to you? What does it mean to love someone very much, to, to be in love with someone? I want the best for him. Mm-hmm. I want him to be happy. Sorry. Mm-hmm. That's okay. But I and, want to be happy, too. Right. Does your, does your happiness come from being able to to do what you just said, to be able to love him and, and have him fulfill his uh, his own destiny and, and, you know, and be all that he can be? Yes. Because, you know, love doesn't have to mean that um, that you see eye to eye on everything and that you're, you know, you're in, in agreement. I've often said that our soulmates are often the people who push push our buttons. And teach us, uh, t- teach us how to be, uh, how to be compassionate, how to uh, love the things that uh, that don't match up to what we that we would like them to be. Yes, and, and I uh, understand that, and I can see how channeling Jimmy <laughs> for all these years has been, you know, a, a great help to the changes that I went through. And now, mm-hmm. you know, I would really like to be able to help him, you know, mm-hmm. with some of his things, but you know, he does it. He's not really interested in what I had to say. So, you know, it's hard yeah. to see him struggle with those things, knowing that he doesn't have to. Yeah, but you know what? It's like all of this sort of happens, Gina. It happens on sort of divine time. I mean, we try to we try to push the river. We try to make... Um, we try to, you, you know, you're you're moving in a direction. You're probably moving a little bit faster than he is. You're seeing things that he doesn't see. He's probably got different things on his mind altogether. 
And instead of just allowing that and just staying in a place of this is who he is, this is how he feels, this is you know what he does. It's not the same as I am. I'm going in, off in this direction, and allow yourself to go in different directions and still maintain the love. And ultimately, the decision about whether you're going to stay together or not, or whether this will end in a you know in a happier marriage, or whether it'll end in a divorce or whatever. Those are just that's just the tricks that the mind starts playing on. It's like I've got to get this all figured out. I have to have my my whole life scheduled, and I have to know every detail of what's going to happen. Instead of that, I would just recommend that you just be in a state of just of grace and joy. And if 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 he's not in the same place that you are at, you know, honor him for where he is, and and don't don't be in that place where, you know, there's there's something. There's something wrong here. We constantly tend to do this in our relationships. We're trying to find, uh, you know, find a common ground, and this is, you know, that we both agree on everything. You know, the fact is that you probably agree on very little. And, and love, you know, <laughs> yeah. and 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 love is really just, you know, a willingness to love, uh, you know, love someone um, regardless of what they think. You know, Robert Frost said it so beautifully: "We love the things we love." For what well, they we, are. Well, and, we and have it, we have two children too. I have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old autistic son. And mm-hmm. uh, the past five years, I used to <clears throat> to have a career. And after the you know the economy first officially fell out, I lost my job, and so mm-hmm. I became a homemaker because I had a young baby at that point in time. And we started having problems with him early on, and later to find out that he's autistic. Mm-hmm. So I've I've had, but I've tried to make the best use of my time being here and not having, you know, the career and everything. So I've tried to, to appreciate it and make the best use I've ha- had of it. And, you know, that's when I begin all this. Yeah. <laughs> In a wonderful yeah, and, journey. And, you know, you've got a lot on your plate. I mean, you've got a, a, a special needs uh, a son who, uh, who requires a lot of your attention. Um, he probably, ultimately, if you could see him, is probably the greatest teacher who ever came into okay. your life. Absolutely. And, and, and he teaches you about being in the moment and uh, and being you know being in a state of grace, uh, and he's a representation of divine love. Absolutely. Um, and, and so it's like instead of looking at him as someone who uh, is taking up so much of your time and keeping from being able to work the way you used to and so on, see him as this great gift that came into your life. And it's like if you look at him that, and then you look at your husband and you say, well, no, I could look at him as someone who's not on the same path I'm on and uh, he's going in one direction and this is going to lead to terrible things. Or you can just say, um, I just love him for what he is and um, and I don't have to be with him at every moment and we don't have to agree on everything or even anything. And I can still be in a, a state of love because divine love is really a different kind of love. Uh, it's, it's a love that... Uh, you know that never changes and it's a love that never varies and it's a love that you have for everything and everyone and um, and the life inside of you the life inside of your husband the life inside of your son and your daughter is really just god that's all it is to find out more about dr wayne dyer or any other hay house author please visit hayhouse.com thank you for listening